0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show
0: at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Your coach, your life coach. You know, everybody needs a little coaching once in a while to get through this crazy thing called life. Top of the morning to you. This is the program where we bring you the latest and greatest research, ideas, solutions, information you need to make it through life. And uh, today, no exception. No exception. We've got so much that we've got to get through today. And uh, man, where do you begin when you think about it? The, the polls are coming in, uh, new polls since the, the latest debate. And it looks like Hillary Clinton is is moving back ahead remember Donald Trump was sliding in and and slowly taking uh charge getting getting a little bit more of a uh an equal footing with her, but now it looks like not here to stay, not here to stay. Certain states have actually um swung back toward Clinton and we'll we'll get into some of that talk um along with <laughs> Hillary's uh latest comments about. Donald Trump, for example, uh, just a very basic comment about how do you lose nearly a billion dollars in a casino? That's got, you mean, come on, the House has the advantage, right? So we'll get to some of those fun comments. And we're going to be talking about civic intelligence. We've, We've heard of multiple intelligences on the show. We've talked about emotional intelligence, social intelligence on the show. There's spiritual intelligence that we've talked about as well. And uh, today, civic intelligent intelligence. How much um, do you actually have to do as as a citizen? What is expected of you as a citizen of this great country? Um, well, guess what? We'll 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 get into that because probably more than you think. You know, there's more to being a, a citizen of this great country than you may think. So. Where much is given, much is probably expected, right? Ugh, I know. I know. Yeah, I know you don't want to have to go there. Didn't Yoda say something like that? Did he? Was it Yoda? Or I thought that was in the Bible.
3: Where much is given, much, I can't remember what you said. Much expected
2: <laughs> is. Yeah, that was something like that. Something like that. Holy hurricane in Haiti. Haiti is going to get destroyed. Ugh. Oh they're they're expecting um either a hurricane or hurricane-force winds and rain to hit Haiti today and uh it will just create mudslides and flooding for a country that just can't take it plus the east coast is is uh starting to spin as well and so boy everybody pay attention to the media today pay attention to the news be listening if you live on those coasts if you live down in the um on the Southern coast, as well, if you live uh near the Bahamas, holy man that's just a lot of lot of potential danger today, so we'll get to all of that plus just fun we gotta have fun today, and uh, Terry's still not here because he's he's with his cute little baby girl Morgan, so that's, that's what it, he says that's what he says he's doing, but he's probably you know on vacation um and Sadie's filling in for Terry. And doing everything else. So, Sadie, let's turn it back over to you now. Find out what's going on with the headlines around the country. What's up?
4: New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman ordered Donald Trump's charity to immediately halt fundraising in the state. Following reports that it had not submitted routine audits mandated by the state, the office announced Monday. Schneiderman sent notice Friday to the Trump Foundation alerting that it broke stake law and when it raised more than $25,000 from outside donors without. Filing properly within the state. New York requires charities to conduct annual audits to solicit donations. The Pentagon has confirmed that an airstrike in Syria targeted a prominent Al Qaeda member who also formed part of the leadership of the Syrian rebel group formerly known as the Al Nursa Front. U.S. forces conducted an airstrike today near Syria targeting Egyptian national El masri one of the al-Qaeda in Syria's most senior leaders and a legacy al-Qaeda terrorist who previously had ties to Osama bin Laden, said Peter Cook. The Pentagon press secretary in a statement released Monday night. We are still assessing the results of the strike. A U.S. official confirmed the strike targeting El masri was carried out by a drone aircraft. Hillary Clinton emerges from the first presidential debate with a five-point lead over Donald Trump in the race for the presidency, having narrowed the enthusiasm gap between her supporters and Trumps, and holding broad advantages over the Republican nominee as the candidate with the right temperament and preparation for the job, according to a new CNN-ORC poll. The survey finds Clinton topping Trump 47% to 42% among likely voters with Libertarian nominee Gary Johnson at 7% and Jill Stein at 2%. And finally... Yes. Do you like pizza, Matt? Love it. I do, too. Uh, Josh Freeman is searching for his slice of the Massachusetts electorate. The 42-year-old man is the founder of the Pizza Party, Mm. a political designation officially recognized by state officials. Uh, He tells the Enterprise of Brockton he doesn't recruit members and no Pizza Party candidate has ever run for office or raised any money, Um, but it has 184 registered voters, and that's enough to have the party listed as a political designation on the state secretary's website. Wow. but it is 42,000 votes short ah. of being an official party.
2: Do you know what? I have a feeling if the young millennials knew he was running, yes, he'd get those votes because so many of them Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are after. It's true. Hmm.
4: But luckily, uh for Donald Trump, he decided to vote for Donald Trump this leader since there is no pizza party candidate. Oh boy. Yeah. What are you going to do? I don't know.
2: He had my vote.
4: I think he likes the orangeness.
2: Uh, bing, bing,
4: bing.
2: <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Bing, 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 bing. Kind of goes together. Oh, it goes really well together. Well, thanks, Sadie. I uh, now who am I gonna vote for? The pizza candidate. Mm. Wow, what a day, folks. Um when you when you think about it, where where else can we go with this crazy election? Um we we pretty much in fact there was an article. I was reading um that was talking about the fact that is this like the most shallow election
3: ever yes, yes.
2: have we have we effectively hit every irrelevant meaningless topic wrong <laughs> you you're wrong you're, you're liking it i think
3: wrong why why do you why do you say wrong well that's what you do when you don't agree with somebody and you want to Wrong Talk over them. them. You are wrong. It works. He he killed it. Tonight, by the way, the big
2: debate between the vice presidential candidates. Are you gonna watch that tonight? You're excited for that, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> this is a great night. Mike Pence, Tim Kane. Tim's gonna pull out the old uh
3: the old harmonica. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> He's gonna start playing a little tune. Wasn't it you the other day that just said can't we just have one of these guys be I the president?
2: This is it. This is why if any of the other – if the other two you know, were to get sick, let's say, uh, or get injured or
3: harmed, these are the ones that would
2: fill in. So really tonight's the night we might actually learn something.
3: Yeah. See, we don't need somebody that can make a mess. We need somebody that can come in and mop up the mess. Yes. Like these two guys. And I, I honestly – we'll see. I
2: think tonight will be a lot clearer Who actually has ideas? You know? Plus, I'm hoping that Tim Kaine plays a song. You know what I mean? What song? He plays the harmonica.
3: Ah. And he's very folksy. I always think of Charles Foster Kane whenever I hear Kane. Charles Foster Kane from Citizen Kane. Oh, you do? That's what you think of? I'm Charles Foster Kane. Wow. Played by the great Orson Welles. Yeah. Rosebud Rosebud red rum different different
2: movie different movie hey um here's a, here's a few clips of Hillary Clinton uh, as she's been out on the road and and talking about her opponent Donald Trump now uh, a
5: lot of us were wondering what is he hiding it must be really terrible the new york times has discovered at least part of the answer back in the 1990s trump Apparently lost a billion dollars in a single year on bad investments and failing casino. Now, how anybody can lose a dollar, let alone a billion dollars, in the casino industry is kind of beyond me.
2: Says who? Says who? Okay, uh, uh, great point, Hillary. So let's, well, I guess we give Hillary a point there. Um, hmm. Point, Hillary. Except, uh it seems to me that just as difficult as it is to believe that somebody could make or could lose a billion dollars in the casino business, it seems just as crazy to me that someone could be worth $130 million because they served as president of the United States. Are you with me on that? So we probably ought not be talking about money. I don't get how a political candidate – could be could make 120, 130 mil in a few years. When before they were destitute, remember? When they left the White House, they had to borrow money. They didn't have any money. They were really struggling for a while. Yeah. Or how you could then create a multi-hundred, multi-billion dollar, you know, charity that has put – pretty much everyone in the country in your pocket
3: they had to start accepting speaking jobs that only paid about a quarter of a million as opposed to half a million (laughs) right right here's another clip of uh, Clinton
2: beating down Trump on how he's cheated the system
5: Trump was taking from America with both hands and leaving the rest of us with the bill then you all know that in the debate he said it was smart to avoid paying taxes. Yesterday, his campaign was bragging it makes him a genius. Here's my question: What kind of genius loses a billion dollars in a single year?
1: <laughs> I am smart, S-M-R-T. I mean S M A R T. Oh boy.
2: She again hitting on the fact of how much he cheated the system. But it's not cheating the system to pay the taxes that the laws allow you to pay, right? Many would say cheating the system would be receiving monies from other countries Mm -hmm. and then
3: doling out favors through the Justice Department or through the uh, State Department. She's not going to milk this for all it's worth, is (sighs) she? She's this little lady. She's a milk lady out there. Milk mating. She's just I don't know what she's doing.
2: Clinton on how Trump benefited uh, from the rigged system.
5: You now Trump represents the same rigged system that he claims he's going to change. The whole story tells us everything we need to know about how Trump does business. After he made all those bad bets and lost all that money, he didn't lift a finger to help and protect his employees or all the small businesses and contractors he'd hired or the people of Atlantic City. They all got hammered. While he was busy with his accountants trying to figure out how he could keep living like a billionaire.
3: His fingers are too small to lift, so, right? (laughs) The man's got little hands. He can't lift much with them little hands.
2: (laughs) Oh, my heavens. Again, see, this is why this this could go on forever because I'm not trying to defend Trump. Really, I'm not. But you can't speak out of one side of your mouth and then, you know. Speak out of the other side of your
5: mouth.
3: Well, she's done, though, right? She's not going to talk
2: Doesn't about this Doesn't look like he anymore. paid a
5: dime of federal income tax for almost two decades.
3: Yeah,
2: Now, I now she's while done.
5: millions of American families, including mine and yours, were working hard, paying our fair share, it seems he was contributing nothing to our nation. He has been dissing America in this whole campaign. He talks us down. He makes disparaging comments about our country. He calls our military a disaster. It's not, but it might have been if everybody else had failed to pay taxes to support our brave men and women in uniform.
2: Mm-hmm. He calls the military a disaster. She calls uh, all the
3: Bernie Sanders voters deadbeats, basically, that live in the basements of their parents. So do you think with her bashing this topic to the ground. Do you think he's just standing there holding his infidelity card waiting to play it? Uh-huh.
2: I don't know if he'll do it. You don't think so? I don't think I don't think he will do it. I think he is hoping that surrogates will do it. The difference is her surrogates are really well organized, right? They're all out there pounding the pavement. President Obama's about to go out Mrs. Obama's about to go out. She's got every one of these people in different states, different cities. They're doing a great job. Trump
3: basically really is pretty much out on the road alone. So, was it a Hillary surrogate that leaked some of these tax returns? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, in fact, it's well, the New York Times and now everybody's saying you need to sue. You need to Corey Lewandowski, his uh, his one of his henchman that was eventually fired and now kind of been brought back under the fold he's out there saying you you need to sue the new york times hmm.
3: so knows? wait a minute came from the new york times she used to hold a position in new york did you know that yeah and she has a timekeeper watch on her wrist hmm.
2: guilty conspiracy yeah <laughs> crazy isn't this fun you guys And tonight we get to have more of it. Tonight I really am excited for more than – because I think you'll – it won't be – it won't just be two people hating on each other. These are very nice men. Are they nice to each other? I think so. I think they will be. I think in the end uh, Mike Pence will probably start slow jamming a song and um, Mr. Kane will play the song. It will be really powerful. It's going to be great. <sighs> the neat thing about all of this is it's just the presidency of the United States. Yeah. And we we are so into ourselves that we think that really matters, I guess. It's just the presidency. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. I mean, what's the worst thing having a, an ineffective, unhealthy, lying president would do? I mean— the worst thing. Well, it's never too late. Today, uh, we will be talking about civic intelligence. How, if if we had to give you a grade on civic intelligence, A, B, C, D, or F, what do you think your grade would be? How many of you don't even know what civic intelligence is? It means... Your responsibilities that come because you are a citizen of this great country. Professor Douglas Shuler will be joining us. He'll be talking about uh, something he studied for more than 15 years, your responsibilities as citizens in this great country. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, as a citizen, it is our civic duty to vote, right? But is that the only job we have? The concept of civic intelligence tries to address this question, and here to talk with us today about it is Professor Douglas Schuler. He is a professor of interdisciplinary studies at Evergreen State College. He has been researching and teaching the concept of, of civic intelligence for over 15 years, and is here today to uh, walk us through some of his learnings. Doug Schuler, thank you so much for being with us today.
6: well, thanks for inviting me.
2: I love this idea of um, civic intelligence i and i I had never i mean i had heard of i had take. i had a, a merit badge in scouts and citizenship in the nation and citizenship in the community and so when I was listening to this i 'm thinking, oh boy, this is what we 're talking about, but explain it to us if you had to define civic intelligence uh how would you define it
6: well you know i've been trying to use a a super basic uh definition just to get started with it and it's basically the ability of people groups of people to get together and uh work together to uh work on problem solve uh equitably and effectively uh Equity, I mean, effectively, basically, might uh, talk about problem solving as just a, a rational uh, situation that doesn't involve emotions or courage or creativity. And um, adding equitably makes sure that it's really uh, a decision for the in the public sphere that's uh, that's really fair and thought out and deliberative. And wasn't just one group forcing their opinion on another group. So it's that's what it's that's what the idea is,
2: and and it transcends government. I mean, because some would say, well, isn't that covered, Doug, by government? Well, right,
6: and that's that's the the basic uh, concepts behind it is that the government isn't you know it's 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 not abandoning all. you know activity of citizens because sort of the government will do it for you it's not it's not ignoring the government or, or su- actually suggesting that the government should go away it's just that it's kind of a, a a renegotiated position uh with the citizen versus you know not versus necessarily the government but it's uh it's it's suggesting more more involvement and um not just this tight division of power where uh you know we sort of wait and hope for the best
2: right is it um i mean i, I see it in in organizations that um and just groups that kind of organize more naturally at, during certain events um, it, are you are you saying it's certain things even like um black Lives matter? Organizing and and which which may have just started as a civic response, but I mean I guess eventually it can turn into a political entity, but or religious organizations that just naturally respond and organize to create problem solving. Can it be any type of group that is yeah, c- giving back what, to community?
6: Yeah, exactly. the The concept was really intended to be. Very, very open it wasn 't you know the province of one political party or the other or mm. one religious group or or non religious group um, and and anybody you know can 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 foster it can be involved with it and in many cases is i I think one of the reasons that i 've uh, tried to put a name on it because the, that was one of the the issues when I got started with teaching I was I realized that that there didn't seem to be a precise I mean not a precise name but a a name that would that we could use to describe kind of what we're looking for
7: mm.
6: and it's not it's not it's not I don't believe it to be all oh, you know a cure all for everything because we're we're in pretty much deep trouble just wherever right. you look uh but I think that that it it could be And I've seen it used on sort of a very local level as ways uh, to to get um, to get to get projects launched to, uh, you know, to develop more community, better community uh, police, say, relationships. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I just I just woke up. But but one thing (laughs) I want to say is that that really it you know it does it's 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 so far all over the map and and certainly black lives matter occupy movement etc mm-hmm. would be would be part of it but more but more traditional sorts of approaches are also also part of it i think one of the key things is that it isn't just to think about doing something good you know Help somebody that's hungry or something, which is obviously important. Right, and it's a good thing to do. But it's this idea of really building on our intelligence and our ability to work together. Because, I mean, any anything that we do, and I think maybe as Americans we have a little bit of trouble with this because we're all rugged individualists.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the theory. Right.
6: But but everything we do, I mean, just. You know, you drive down the road and you think, somebody built this car, somebody painted this car, somebody learned how to make rubber for tires, somebody made uh, these signs that make it so we don't smash into each other. These people that are driving, they're watching out so they don't hit us. And I mean, the whole thing is so massively social and we don't necessarily want to get overwhelmed with the immensity of that, but it's... It, it, it's key. We, it's all. Even even a war is a collective. I mean, maybe especially a war is a collective effort. Mm. But I would not call it a civically intelligent.
2: Yeah, it might be a civic a, a civic failure.
6: Yeah, it, it, it's it's probably our biggest civic failure.
2: But see, but what you keep
6: doing it over and over, and, right? And, it's, and I and I part of me really does not want to say that that's inevitable.
2: Mm. You, you want to say that we can. We can guide it to a higher level as, because it's an intelligence. So because we've heard of other terms, emotional intelligence, which has become really popular in the last 30, 40 years, social intelligence, yeah. spiritual uh-huh. intelligence, uh, gardeners, multiple intelligences say humans are born with certain gifts um, and, and you know, abilities. And, and I guess are you is, – is civic intelligence one of those abilities, our ability to organize to create a better life for the whole?
6: yeah i'm i'm happy to to sort of throw in with the camp that there's different sorts of intelligences and part of me just thinks that's i mean not that it does go without saying but it sort of should go without saying right different you know my and it's also very contextual because because i might be very smart of wandering around a college and finding books in the library and talking with colleagues or whatever but but drop me in a forest or a desert or something. <laughs> yeah, we're dead. Uh, you know, with no tools. Okay, <laughs> you know, I'd last a few hours, and then my my sort of urbane whatever skills and knowledge would have just failed. So it's so it's that that's the other thing about civic intelligence is it, it's it does have a certain sort of perspective and domain. Mm. It, it wouldn't be, you know. Intelligence wouldn't be like developing a new type of cigarette. Yeah, right. You know, it might take a, th- a thousand engineers to sort of figure that out, but it, it, it just doesn't fit that domain. So that was that was the point of trying. You know, uh, sort of like Don Quixote. Uh, I don't know what, but it's you know you're sort of swimming upstream with the concept, even though. Yeah. I don't see why it should be it's not particularly sexy because it kind of tells people that yeah they have to get off their butt you know right. it's it's really <clears throat> intended to be kind of motivational at the same time that it's uh that it's supposed to, that I really intend it to be uh, social science and and something that is subject to inquiry in a university setting or 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 a high school, or hmm. junior high school, community school,
2: um, well, middle school. Maybe I mean that's. I guess that's that's. I think you're just on the cutting edge of it, Doug. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Is you're you're describing something that we don't even know how much we need because someone can go. Um, I mean, it might naturally be that even like in some of the citations of your work, um, like the African and Civil Rights Movement was a pretty natural outcropping it seems like of this civic intelligence you're talking about but then it can go to the next level of um, where it uh, not that movement per se but uh, the starting and creation of a business Uh may not necessarily it may have started as a civic movement but um, in the end it may end up becoming a business enterprise and then it kind of loses its civic nature and becomes a business. And then it seems like these companies, the leaders make a lot of money, and then what they do with their money is they tend to go back to civic responsibility again. So, But I think just defining it as you are, I think it's powerful. I really do. I think it's, it's powerful to think that there, there's an intelligence that we all possess and we need to probably grow in some way and make sure that we're taking care of the whole – um, equitably uh and solving problems in our communities and our in our world um give me we we've got about one or two more minutes before we need to take a break but what would you say are some examples we see today that are in that are would would meet your criteria as civic intelligence and who are some of these leaders that you see today maybe leading movements and what are some of their movements
6: boy that um, that's you know what i'm always it, and it's so it's sort of so ubiquitous on, yeah. on some level that that you see it all over then then when when i'm asked for sort of an exemplar of it <laughs> uh i don't necessarily come to mind i mean some of some of the stuff i've been doing at uh at school because one of my students or you know it's been came to come up that they, the way of, to learn about civic intelligence, really one of the best ways is to practice it mm. and so i 've been running this lab for a few years and, and for example, last year, I had a bunch of uh, veterans in the, in my class and and what they did was they were working to figure out ways to get information to homeless veterans in our community, and so they were putting um, information in camouflage. Cans hmm. that they kind of painted, yeah. or ammo cans yeah. that they painted, and they uh, they sort of chained them or uh, put them in places where where they expected homeless vets to be, which I thought was just sort of brilliant mm-hmm. on, on many levels. And and a lot of the things we do in class, they don't necessarily lead you know to a big movement or uh, even a permanent thing. But but it's it's it did some good and it and it sort of helped to to show people that they're not powerless. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things that I'm I'm afraid that that uh, people learn over time and they even repeat the kind of the mantra, oh no one listens to us. We you know and it there's a lot of kind of sayings that we have that reinforce that idea that really we we don't have any power at all and i've i've heard even people that seem to have a quite a bit of power like say a university professor at MIT says i'm just a professor at MIT what power do i have and i thought wait a minute wait a minute wait, somebody's got to have some power somewhere
2: <laughs> if it's Something. not at MIT and you know yeah cuz yeah. cuz it's still they have a circle of influence right i guess some of the civic intelligence idea reminds me of the fact that maybe we all have our own circle of influence around us, um, of civic influence, understanding, like the veterans that can go out and understand about taking an ammo can and painting it and getting it to a veteran. That makes sense because it's in their circle. That may not make sense to the same group of MIT professors or whatever. So civic intelligence, uh, we're talking about it with Doug, Douglas Schuler, who's uh, walking us through uh, some innovative thinking about what our responsibilities are with each other and uh, to this community that we take a part of. Stick with us. We'll come back, continue the discussion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back, friends, to the Matt Townsend show. Today, we're speaking with Douglas Shuler about civic intelligence. Uh, he's a professor of interdisciplinary studies at Evergreen State College and uh, researches and teaches the concept of civic intelligence. Welcome back, Doctor Shuler, or brother. Or it's not Doctor, is it? You you have a no, master's it's not degree, doctor. right? Is it? I as I was talking about this um, with some people the other day, are you are you familiar with the print like dialogue theory?
6: Well, I'm you know I'm 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 interested in a lot of ways that people are exploring how how to sort of change the conversation, how to have a conversation yeah. across boundaries, etc. I I don't know if I know that specific
2: because what what it seems like in some regards that you're t- there's because there are certain principles I'm assuming about civic intelligence that. Um, that, that kind of need to be there. And dialogue theory talks about some principles like, to some degree, you have to listen and understand without judging. You have to suspend uh, your, your, your assumptions. You need to um, act. You, you have, sometimes you need to voice. Sometimes you need to advocate. And sometimes you just need to listen. And um, it it kind of those are like the principles that are pretty basic to having a good dialogue is suspending, attending, listening, um, acting, voicing. And it seems like in a way what you're describing, some of our responsibilities civically are to get involved, to be involved. And when you're involved, to learn, to understand, to listen, and sometimes to act and sometimes to just hear, sometimes to voice. And and kind of know when you should do it. What what are some of the principles you hold up as part of of being civically intelligent? Things that yeah, well, we should you know, do first, as citizens. I,
6: I mean, not necessarily first, but I do think that that everything that you were saying in relation to to the, uh, this dialogue uh, theory is is really Im- important. I mean, that's that's one of the sort of the failures, I would say. Mm. Uh, now, but but in other times too. Is is that that people don't really hear each other? They're not willing to listen to each other. They're, uh, you know, it's it's just not very efficient. And so, so when 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 conversation or uh, dialogue breaks down at that level, then it it really decreases the chance of of uh, you know of, any, of anything coming from mm. it. Um, I would say maybe some of the differences. That I would say is is there is more of a, a focus on on innovation, and um, you know people people tend to be pretty creative if if they 're sort of given the right opportunity mm-hmm. and the right i don 't know if it 's coaching or whatever so so innovation is is a big part um, I think one of the things is just kind of a awareness of um, of kind of situations and um, and belief that you can be that you can that you can play some role i don't know uh, I would also one of the things that I would throw in there is that that uh, part of i think the study of civic intelligence does necessarily bring in the study of civic ignorance mm. and so um not that I know precisely what it is in fact, I think that uh, some sort of search for precision uh, would be misguided. I, I I certainly am not a big believer in this idea of of IQ as a way to sum up a human being right. um, by some number. Um, you know, it might show something, mm-hmm. but that's certainly not the intent of of civic intelligence. I mean, we try to think of ways that we can characterize it, because if you can't characterize it, then then you're really not talking about much of anything. You know, we right. want right. to really be able to say, well, this seems to show civic intelligence or this seems not to. And and that's something that I'm that I'm trying to think about. And that's one reason that I want would and that's one reason that, that I would really like this civic intelligence to be more of a common term so we could actually have a community of not just scholars but but you know, scholars and practitioners around the term. Yeah. But, but but back to the idea of of civic ignorance. You know, you looking around, you can begin to identify some some things that that seem to be to show civic ignorance. And and one way to look at it might be just anything that prevents civic intelligence from happening. Mm-hmm. And so. You know I've been kind of playing with that, and I haven't really seen any big flaw yet in in why that's not a good way to look at it but but civic ignorance one thing would be you know this idea of uh, of all you have to do is nothing and rely on sort of a politician or luck or 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 something or else. government or yeah yeah. yeah. Or even like the the idea,
2: the idea you gave earlier of that um, there's nothing I can do.
7: Yeah.
2: Um, Or another one that we've talked about on the show a lot is, is kind of the polarization of the media that's been going on and how that, how we we actually think we, we can go to just our one source of information and always keep going back to that well and somehow understand everything else.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I agree with that. And also the uh this idea that there are easy answers out there. Mm. I'm I'm a little tired of people saying, All you need to do is X mm-hmm. and you know, when almost when you know, al- almost whenever you hear that, it's probably wrong. I mean right. it's just it's just a signal Too simplistic. to me. Yeah. That some kind of a baloney is is coming at, at you. Mm. You know, uh the other one thing that really um this is, like I mentioned, it's early morning here. Yeah. But uh, one thing that that um, I I keep hearing, but not always remembering, is the. Yeah.
2: Um, You'll find it. People, yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, you, you just keep thinking. Um, yeah. Is it? Because one of the things I I uh, have been noticing, just as we've talked about it, uh, we. We see a lot of this um, maybe civic ignorance in the belief that, you know, the schools educate our kids and um, that that uh, people, you know, that whether you vote or not maybe doesn't matter and that I have a right to speak, um, even though I don't necessarily sense I have a responsibility to do anything else. Uh-huh. And I mean, there's there's a lot of very basic just beliefs that that seem to keep perpetuating this idea that we 're almost stuck and that we 're victims instead of agents of change in our community
6: right right um, agreed and and i uh, I did remember oh good, thank you, you were absolutely right that I would remember um, is one thing that I am very, very tired of, but human race doesn't really seem to get tired of it is is blaming all the problems. On another group of
7: people, mm, yeah,
6: and you know, it's it's you know, you can just pick any any group, but it gets very dangerous, especially if it's a lot of people with power are demonizing people that don't have power. Mm-hmm. I don't like that trajectory because it often historically doesn't end well. And so, speaking of of, of history. Um, and education we just we don 't seem to be getting some of these these basic lessons and uh, and i don 't know exactly why I wish I knew but one one of the things is that I think that that education does seem to be a, a lot of non action you know a lot of sort of book learning, etc., where you're sitting mm-hmm. there and not actually going out and say mapping your community or, or interviewing people or getting, making it a little more open-ended, but also um, I know in, in psychology classes, just for example, you would, you would read a textbook and it would say, we've learned this, we've learned that we've learned this. And, and you think, oh, so that's, that's kind of science, and and but you never seem to actually
8: do it. Yeah.
6: You know, you you don't yeah. do an experiment, and so like one of the things that we did, um, and you may have seen it if you were doing a little you know exp- exploration on the web. But uh, I was, you know, we're we're at a public uh, institution in in Washington State. We you know don't have. You know super expensive tuition we 're not an i v etc. about half of our students are at or below poverty, and so we don 't necessarily get high marks you know mm-hmm. in in everything yeah. so um, even though I believe that we should in many ways so so i w- I was digging into these ranking systems for schools, and a lot of them actually boiled down to how much. Um, money their their graduates got, you know, in jobs after they left, and and but basically that's a function of how much money their parents had when they started school.
7: Ah, uh, yeah. Know,
6: it's, it's basically kind of a, which schools are richest, and so students said we need to figure out we need to to use civic intelligence to rank colleges. Give it a shot. So we actually tried to um, to just go through that exercise. You know, just come up with something that we think kind of ought to be done and then try it. And mm. I think we learned a lot about how do you come up with a ranking? You know, because we, we all read in the newspaper, oh, this is ranking. Oh, this school is better than that school. Mm-hmm. Well, it's better according to some criteria. Right. The criteria is not necessarily known to you. <laughs> You know, and so you just you people accept the thing as the given when if you dig it's not necessarily the given. Well that's true. It's not I,
2: necessarily so valid. Maybe that is part of the civic intel or the civic ignorance is even how we rank, how we identify um, what's what works, what doesn't work. Man, interesting stuff. We appreciate you, Doug, and all the great work you're doing there. And and for really shaking our minds a bit about what is our responsibility and as you're a listener out there do you feel like you're civically ignorant are you creating solutions to our problems or are you just sitting back watching everyone else hoping they'll take action interesting stuff helping you see the good in the world folks and become leaders in your own lives that's what we're trying to do on the show we'll take a break come back wrap up hour number one of the matt townsend show we'll be right back
8: I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance.
9: Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner.
2: Blay ball. ball. Welcome back, friends. You know, as uh, the East Coast is on the verge of being pounded by winds and hurricanes, I mean, the idea that it, a, a hurricane could come and settle upon the city of Miami would certainly probably spark a lot of civic, uh, I guess, intelligence, hopefully. But as our guest was teaching it, it might also generate a lot of civic ignorance. And uh, ignorance meaning the the inability to act, the, the belief that certain things are responsible for our happiness, for our own peace of mind. So think about it in your own life. Are you... Are you somebody who, who can see a problem and can get it solved? Have you ever just been driving through your community, through your neighborhood, let's say, through your city, your town, seen a problem and just complained about it and complained about it for years? Well, oh, this roundabout, we have a roundabout by our house, and they happen to hold, there's a school that's uh, right next or near the roundabout, and about three o'clock in the afternoon – the roundabout is useless, and entire neighborhoods are trapped and can't get out because schools are backed up. well, okay, so I guess I'm a victim of my school and the school next to my roundabout, or I could figure out a way to get involved and to create an innovation and figure out a change how do we How could we manage traffic better? How could we you know unload? and load children so as not to totally upset the community, or I can sit back and just complain. The power, I believe, of civic intelligence is, A, it sounds like it's something we can learn, we need to learn, but it also sounds like it's, to me, it's nothing more than emotional intelligence on a community level. How do I take my understanding, my insight, my my ability to read others, my ability to read my own emotion, and the ability to lower people's emotions. How do I take that not just to my family, not just to my community, but to my citizen or to the citizens of my town? How do I take it to the next level? It's it's a responsibility we all have. And when we sit, and again, everyone complains. Uh, I've, I hear all the time about Oh, these candidates. And again, a certain percentage of you are loving this. But for the rest of you that aren't, get involved then. Use your ideas, your your insight, your awareness to get involved. Figure it out. Go to meetings. Run for office. Get involved instead of just getting angry. Yeah, but I, I could never run for president. Yeah, I'm, I've got a history. <laughs> you don't have to run for president. But you could run for, you know, the community service council. You could run for the board of education. You could run for something. So figure it out in your own life. Are you, would you say, civically intelligent Are you informed? Do you receive your information and your news from more than one website? Do you understand the other side's point of view? When you watch what goes on in towns like Ferguson, um, do do you immediately have an opinion and you're convinced your opinion is right and you argue your opinion? Or do you actually understand the complexity of what happens in a town like that? it's life is much more complicated i think than a lot of us want to seem make it seem anyway interesting stuff we're all in this together and eventually again we're one disaster away from joining up and being friends again let's just hope it's not too big of a disaster we'll take a break come back continue celebrating taco day cinnamon bun day and national golf day stick with us this is
1: the matt townsend show
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. We got a great program. I hope, uh, I hope you're ready You got to get you got to get locked and loaded, folks, because we have got a ton of information to go through, plus a wonderful guest coming up. One of our favorites, Dr. Frank Ninavaji, will be back on the show. He is a uh, professor at Yale University, New Haven Hospital and attending physician there in their psychiatric department. He will be walking us through um, some some pretty important information about burnout syndrome. Do you feel like you are burnt out at work, in life? <laughs> Jeff. The minute I said burnt out, Jeff's eyes rolled back in his head. Did you notice that, Jeffrey? You seem burnt out. Really? He's so burnt out he can't even talk. Job exhaustion. I think I had it yesterday. I think I have it every day. It's because I'm not getting my... There you go. We lost Jeff. See if he wakes up. It's kind of an awkward way to start a show. Sorry. <clears throat> anyway, you okay, bud? Yeah. all right? A little exhaustion there? We'll be talking about... There he goes again. I think he's got another problem. It's that Benadryl he keeps drinking. He drinks it by the gallons. He He won't take caffeine in his body, but man, the guy loves Benadryl. So sad. We will be speaking with Dr. Frank Ninavaji in a few moments. Also, um, we've got some incredible news out there. Um, Yesterday, you heard the story about a boy that woke up in the middle of the night and went for a ride.
3: Yeah. On his little uh, little four wheeler that goes a mile and a mile and a half per hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll talk about that.
2: I mean, there's more information uh, about that, a little update on that. Plus other crazy headlines. Man gets attacked by a grizzly bear twice and survives. Right? I mean, maybe it's
3: time to move. I don't know. Sounds like Jaws. Maybe that bear has it out for him. (laughs) Don't you hate it like when you've got like
2: a – I mean, it's one thing to have a stalker. It's another thing to have a bear that just stalks you. Stop bears. Stop bears. Today, by the way, taco day. I say taco,
7: they
2: say taco. Taco, taco, taco. I say taco, you say. Then they didn't say taco the same way. I say taco, you say taco. Just a taco.
3: (laughs) Can you mispronounce taco? I don't think so. Taco, taco. Uh, Cinnamon bun day. If I'm lucky, month from now,
2: best case scenario, I'm managing a Cinnabon in Omaha cinnabon by the way one of the great signs that there is a god in heaven my one of my and i don't even like the whole cinnabon i just like the gooey center
3: do you feel guilty or dirty after having a cinnabon no i feel bloated you know that they you know when you go to the airport they're putting actual cinnabons in the vents so that know. you can smell them anywhere you go. That's rude.
2: Is that what they're doing?
3: I think so. But it's working. Yeah, people are buying them.
2: I was at an airport the other day. I think they had put dirty socks in the vent. Didn't smell right. Um, Cinnabon Day, Cinnamon Bun Day, not Cinnabon. Let's let's. That's just a brand. And National Golf Day. This is the day that the polite clap was created for the National Golfing Association. This is a cool day. Boy, what a busy day we've got. We'll get into all of that fun, but first to the headlines with Sadie Nilsson. Sadie, what's going on around the country?
4: A huge new project aims to gather information through crowdsourcing about breast cancer in hopes of treating patients whose cancer has metastasized and left them nearly out of options. Cancer will likely kill many of the 150,000-plus patients nationwide whose tumors have spread. The idea is to gather molecular and genetic clues from a broad group of metastatic breast cancer patients. With data from thousands of people, researchers think they might be able to answer questions such as what allows very few women to outlive others by many years despite the same prognosis. CNN has hired a team of BuzzFeed reporters in order to better its chances of dominating the political news cycle as presidential race heads into the homestretch. stretch. BuzzFeed's Andrew Kaczynski, 26, along with Kfile team members Nate McDermott and K- Christopher Massey, as well as BuzzFeed deputy politics editor Kyle Blaine, announced they were leaving the news online news organization Monday and would begin digging for CNN on Tuesday. In comments made to the Huffington Post, which first reported the hiring, Kaczynski said, To be in the biggest name in news for the last month of what has been the craziest election in modern history is just a great opportunity for me and everybody on our team. When the opportunity was there, we made sure we took it. Italian eyewear group Luxottica said on Monday that it was launching new smart glasses for athletes with a voice-activated coaching system jointly developed by its Oakley sports brand and chipmaker Intel. The new glasses dubbed Radar Pace will be sold on the oakley.com website and in some stores, the California brand that Luxottica acquired in 2007. The glasses can create personalized training programs for athletes by interpreting data in real time. And finally, yes. Land Rover uh, celebrated the release of its new Discovery model by constructing a replica of London's Tower Bridge out of Legos. Really? But guess how many they used?
2: 10 billion.
4: A little less than that. 5 million Legos. Wow. Still a lot of Legos. 42 foot tall structure. Um, I was watching it. They actually put an SUV under the Legos in water and then drove it out. Really? And then they drove the SUVs up onto the bridge like this as the bridge was like opening up
1: oh my heavens
2: the lego song
4: the lego song very appropriate
2: everything is awesome
4: also do you remember who uh bear grillis is
2: bear grills yes yes
4: he was there and he uh entered the last lego into place
2: a boy bear did he eat it I know. Normally he eats those kind of things. No, I'm sure he
4: thought about it, but I think they would have been really upset had the last (laughs) last Lego not been placed. So I
2: I bet if they recounted the Legos, they'll find some Legos missing and Bear Grylls ate them. I believe that. There's always one kid that eats the Legos.
4: Bear was that kid. Sadie,
2: thank you. Everything is awesome. You got to love the Legos song. Makes you feel like just life is good. Sadie's doing the dance. Hey, um, yesterday we talked about a boy, a two-year-old boy that took a, a late-night joy ride, and um, it, it was, it was kind of weird. He just got up in the middle of the night kind of sleepwalking almost, but he just he took a little you know
3: battery-powered car. Well, he had a bottle with him, so he had to have been awake yeah. somewhat. He must have got up to get a bottle. Something like that. But we've, we found
2: a really just interesting um, – th- there's a show in South Carolina that's like their cops show. Really? Yeah. And they did a whole segment
3: about uh, this, this joyriding two-year-old boy. On the next SCPD night shift. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. and I'm currently in pursuit of a half-naked male heading south on Veneer Street. I've got him clocked at 1.5 miles per hour. Most people think it's the high-speed chases that are dangerous, but it's actually the low-speed ones that give you the most trouble. The suspect appears to be topless, and it also looks like he's wielding a bottle. Uh, oh, he he just took a swig from him now, and he's uh, zigzagging all over the place. I swear, these perps are looking younger and younger every day. Oh, okay, he's slowing down now. He's slowing down. Looks like his battery gave out on him. Time to take this guy into custody. Sir, do you
9: realize how slow you were going back there? Uh, Sir, I'd appreciate it if you didn't use that kind of language with me. Sir, your speech is clearly slurred. I'm going to have to place you under arrest for your safety and the safety of the other drivers. Okay, I'm going to need backup on this one. This perp is taunting the officer and he keeps getting out of his cuffs. (laughs) SCPD, night shift. Cleaning up the streets of South
3: Carolina, one toddler at a time. That looks good. Would you watch that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, would watch it, and then I wouldn't have the guilt that you normally have by watching an episode of Cops. Yeah, I feel bad when I watch Cops because, you know, that could be me. Could it? <laughs> Shirtless and – Yeah. With Let's a see, can, with and one... can of uh, Diet Coke in one hand yeah. and
2: <laughs> – Holding up my pants with my other hand. Yeah. But with this, you, you watch the kid, that was – I mean, let's be real. The, the high-speed chase wasn't as exciting as you see on Cobbs.
3: No. I mean, that Mile was – An and a half per hour. Yeah, that was weird. And then – but the guy was all over the road. You'd think he would just at that point just get out of his car and just stand in front of him. Yeah, you'd think you could just park
2: and actually walk alongside him. Instead of just burning up all that mm-hmm. gas and – yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're just not as environmentally friendly as they need to be. Could have saved a lot of gas. Um but it it does look like a great show in South Carolina if you if you're there. I mean, look it up. What's it called?
3: Uh SCPD Night Shift.
2: Mm. Oh, Night Shift.
3: So is the kid okay? they take him into take him into jail? Yeah, custody. Is he still in jail? Um I think he's out.
2: Yeah. But while he was in jail he got a tattoo. So
3: I think they did an interview with his parents too i think they were like we don't even know who he is anymore (laughs) he's out all all hours of the night he used to be such a good kid he was started hanging around with bobby jones he was an a student
2: (laughs) yeah well that's good that's again just watch for it uh scpd night shift good stuff Uh, (laughs) Shut them doors a crazy story out of China too I mean a man um fell he ten floors up okay he gets stuck between two buildings the man uh, was trying to get outside of his apartment and uh, and he fell and he got stuck between two walls that is weird. bizarre totally weird but he was ten floors up so he's ten floors up. Stuck between two walls. Uh, he reportedly used... Uh, they, the fire department got there and they had to use a hose to get him out. Like spray him with the hose? No, I think they actually just lowered the hose down and he he, he was able to hang on to it. And then they could pull him out. Oh. He did it, he said, because he forgot his key. And he just thought he could get in the window. by I guess like shimmying down the two buildings. He really needed to get those keys. Always... Bring your keys, we say on the Matt Townsend Show. So um, firefighters got on the roof, and then they used a hose, and and and, and they got him in finally that by using the hose to pull him in. But uh, we, we're lucky because we happen to have had a correspondent there uh, at the scene. I mean, this is one of those rare occasions where we actually had someone on scene. And they they were able to listen, and and um, they, they, they did an interview with the man. I mean, just a short interview. But... Um, but he's speaking Chinese. Yeah. He's not happy either. He's angry. Yeah. Let's maybe listen to the Chinese side. And then here's the neat thing. We actually have our translator. It's, that, it's a device we paid for here at BYU Broadcasting where we can translate any language into, uh, into English. So let's listen to the interview in Chinese.
7: Mm.
2: Not happy. He's ticked. Uh, do you have the translator ready Jeff Just 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 put it in the English translation I'm
7: stuck help me. Janice I'm stuck mm. ah, This hurts This hurts This hurts This hurts This hurts Oh this hurts Janice. Oh, this, so this hurts Janice
1: Jimson is
2: funny
7: She was oh, not helpful oh. oh. Janice Thank you.
2: Janice seems like a jerk. Boy, Janice was getting a real belly laugh
3: there. Was he all right after the after they yeah uh, pulled the hose on him and yeah he squirted was him well, down? he was
2: upset and then you remember that's when Janice got arrested because they got in that little fisticuffs because he was so mad at Janice for laughing the whole time. Right.
3: So I'm confused. Did they take the hose and with the stream of the water were they able to lower him down to the ground? <laughs> Is that how it works? No. Um, they just used the hose as a like as a rope so like die hard remember that scene in die hard no oh we got to get it uh i don't remember that scene so no water
2: was involved i think they just lowered the hose and then he could hold on to it and then they i think they
3: pulled him out but that's disappointing
2: what was really interesting cuz the interview in in chinese was only like 5 seconds long but the english version once translated that's a great translator tool.
3: Well, they don't, they don't waste words.
2: No, they in don't. In China. Very efficient. Very efficient in their word use. So just a little rule of thumb. Um, don't shimmy down, you know, between two buildings to get in your window if you forget your keys. Always carry your keys or ask a neighbor to have a set of your keys. And if you have a friend named Janice, I'd lose her. She doesn't seem like a great friend. She's just going to laugh at you when you're stuck. Not right. Not fair. Okay. That's why we're here, folks, helping you get through life one day at a time. We will take a break when we come back. Dr. Frank Ninovagi will be joining us, and he will be talking about burnout, the, uh, the reality of job exhaustion, folks. It's plaguing a lot of us, and he will walk us through some tools to make sure that you don't get burned out at work. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, we told you about um, at the top of the show the idea of um, a man attacked by a grizzly bear twice and survives. Talk about bad luck. Todd Orr was hiking in Montana when he came across a mother grizzly bear and her cubs. She immediately, the, the bear did, attacked him, and he had bear spray on him and used a full can on the grizzly. You know which whoop, just to be able to walk away and say, "Yeah, okay," dodged that one, <laughs> however, um, he then fell on the ground uh but and another bear got him uh the second grizzly, though threw him to the ground, he had covered his neck with both his hands, he did everything he could to fight this bear off when uh he when that bear was done with him. He got up, he hiked out. He had only been hiking a few minutes and uh, guess what? The second bear
3: attacked. I'm you know how you. he got rid of him? How? Oh yeah. Is this slim Slim Whitman, Slim Whitman. And you'll be able to hear the bears here in a when second. I'm calling you. Yep. Every time Beats bear spray.
2: You just always have to carry, though, you always have to carry a speaker and make sure that your Bluetooth is synced up because you don't want a bear to come around, and then you've got to sync up your Bluetooth.
3: I think it's a good idea just as a general rule to have some Slim, wit- slim Whitman with you at all times. <laughs> you never know when you're going to run into no. a bear or here in, in Provo probably a cougar. A cougar, Yeah. Or if you're like in South Florida, cougars are everywhere. Yeah.
2: The um, in the end, the so the guy fought off Mama Bear. She sprayed him with the full can of mace, threw threw him on the ground, wrestled with him a bit. She went away. He then walks. Another bear attacks him. In that one, he suffered a five inch gash along the side of his head, chipped bone, a number of puncture wounds, and other minor injuries.
3: Crazy. Isn't that kind of how some people feel after listening to Slim Whitman? Yeah, totally. What do you think the odds are of being attacked by two bears in one trip? I think I think they had it out for him. I think that they knew that this was the guy that crossed them the first time, and so they sent Papa Bear around the second time. Yeah. I think it's like right. Jaws the Revenge. I'm pretty sure the, the shark in that movie was the original shark's mom. Really? Yeah. And she was out for revenge.
2: Oh, I hate it when sharks like are seeking revenge. They've got to let stuff go. You
3: know what I mean? Did you know that sharks grow their teeth again and again and again? Yeah. They just have, like, innumerable teeth. Yeah. It's like... It's like the teenage boy with acne. Or my appetite for muddy buddies. Really? Never ending. (laughs) I cannot get enough of the the muddy buddies. Today um,
2: is uh, an important day. We're trying to get Dr. Frank Ninavaji on the line, and he's going to talk to us about burnout. So if you've ever sat in your – maybe your cubicle at work and thought, I can't do this anymore. I really can't do this. I can't quit because my family depends on me. I can't imagine talking to the lady next to me another minute or the guy next to me another minute. <sighs> I'm out of vacation days. What do you do? How do you make it through this crazy life? You, you still got to pay for the bills, right? And But all of a sudden, you're exhausted. You're not getting enough sleep. Because you spend all night, you know, binging on Netflix to make it through your life. Or Muddy Buddies. Or Muddy Buddies. You're all Muddy Buddied out. You do feel like you've been attacked by a bear. And if we can't solve a problem like that, when especially – well, it's not – come on, Jerry. You, just – it'll get better. You've only got 34 more years of this. <laughs> just 34 stays. Yeah, tough stuff. We will um, take a break when we come back. Looks like we're going to have Dr. Ninavaji on with us to walk us through how we can get through it. A true blue psychiatrist from Yale University helping us understand burnout, how to handle it, what to do with it. Don't give up, don't lose hope yet. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. is the Matt Townsend Show. You know, America was founded on the principles of industry and the self-made man or woman. It's the American dream, right, to become successful in whatever field you want to. But this requires a lot of hard work, and maybe Americans are biting off more than they can chew. Associate Attending Physician at the Yale New Haven Hospital, Dr. Frank John Ninavaji, says that many people are dissatisfied with their place in the workforce, causing them to feel exhausted, inefficient, helpless. Dr. Ninavaji joins us again uh, today. He's been on the show many times um, to discuss his article, Burnout, the Indelicate Reality of Job Exhaustion Burnout Syndrome. Dr. Ninavaji, welcome back to the show.
8: Well, greetings from Yale, and thank you for re, uh, asking me to return.
2: We love having you on the show because, I mean, you, you're our resident psychiatrist. <laughs> thank you. We need it. We need it. This burnout is a big deal. I see it a lot in my work. I see it a lot in my life. It's, we're burning the candle at all ed- ends, right?
8: It applies to all of us. I think it's part of uh, culture. Um, especially uh, Western culture and especially American culture and any big city is just replete with this phenomenon. If you remember on that uh, article, that piece I wrote for Psychology Today on burnout, the actual statistic, believe it or not, is in general um, the Mayo Clinic states that uh, over, I guess, the last possibly 10 years, their measurements show that 36% of the general population experiences what, what is called self-identified burnout. And then, this is just astonishing, medical doctors, 61% oh. of medical doctors say they feel burnt out. 61%? It's
2: 61.3%. Holy cow. And then Holy you go cow in. I was right. And you're going to your doctor, and your doctor is probably burnt out.
8: I hear it, I would say, from every doctor I see as a patient. And I see not only medical students, but interns, residents, yeah. and fellows who specialize in specialty training before they go into, for instance, anesthesia or psychiatry or general surgery. And then I see doctors themselves, people who practice in my community, to a man, to a woman, they all say they feel burnt out. Mm. Now they say it directly, or they use those common expressions we hear all the time. Oh, it's nuts around here. Oh, it's been a crazy day. As a matter of fact, yesterday I heard another phrase, which I didn't include in my article. I have so much
2: on my plate. I don't know when I'm going to get to that. know, eh. so it's important. Oh, how exhausting. And I mean, especially in the medical profession, that's kind of wired in them, right? They they always work long hours just in residency and in training, I guess with the goal that eventually you can maybe sit back and, and ride the wave, except some of these fields, I have a brother-in-law that's an interventional neuroradiologist, and he never gets a break. That's exactly right. And he sits there and looks at screens all day and <laughs> does interventions all day. So it's I mean, and that's just one field, but what about, like, the guy that is, you know, owns a landscaping company and is trying to put more money in his pocket so he's hiring fewer people and he's running himself ragged? Or the the mom that's trying to, you know, have a full-time job and be the the total mom she wants to be?
8: Well, I used an analogy which really dated me a, a, a month or so ago at the school I work at. And I'm going to mention the name of the school, give it a little plug. Devereaux Glen Home. It's a private uh, residential boarding school. There are 13 across the country. We have one in Connecticut, and I've been their medical psychiatric director for 21 years. We have 100 children. They're all teenagers. 50 of them are from America. The other 50 are international, and they are residential kids with learning difficulties, behavior difficulties, and they're there 24-7 for, for and usually for a year to maybe four years. And um, I supervise their therapists, social workers, psychologists, nurses, behavioral staff, and I hear what, you're, what we're talking about. I have so much on my plate, it's been a crazy day. So I used the analogy, I said, it reminds me of what I used to see as a child on the Ed Sullivan show, 8 o'clock on Sunday night. They always had a juggler, a juggling act, where a man used to have poles Mm -hmm. and rods and spin plates. And he used to do it with his hands, (laughs) his feet, his mouth, his nose, his his head... And he had so much going all the time, and the audience would laugh and clap. And now that was actually 40, 50, 55 years ago. And you know, that graphic visual analogy is what all of us are experiencing today in real life, in our work
2: life. And then we get we're spinning all these plates and it exhausts us i know some of the the symptoms of burnout you say are physical emotional exhaustion lack of enthusiasm but then our performance drops which means we have to almost work harder to get the same performance longer to get the same performance and our efficiencies go away and then then it just then plates start falling right
8: well that's the definition and when it reaches that phase It's um, clinically or uh, in real time uh, a significant problem because uh, in the article, I do use the the expression, which is very um, prevalent now in, for instance, at Yale New Haven, human Mm -hmm. error. We want to be a high reliability hospital. We want to be high reliability physicians and caregivers. And... To be high reliability, we have to be absolutely diligent about error, mistakes, lapses, omissions. And so burnout, the last phase of burnout, the first is physical exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, the second level is cynicism, and the third level is uh, politely put, inefficient performance, which really means error,
7: mm.
8: human error. And if you make a critical mistake, they call it serious events, c- critical events in
2: the hospital, yeah. that is really, really, really bad. And well, even or like life, if you're running a train, right? If you, I mean, these train accidents, the and, yeah, exactly. Human error, air, airplanes, yeah. life and death. Mm. Man, life and death. Well, then then psychologically, so it sounds like physically, you kind of start deteriorating, then your psyche starts to break down, you start getting worse results, then the real pressure start mounting. Um, What's the cause of all of this? Is, Is it? It's not just the workload? Isn't more of this, Frank, just about how we see what we're doing, how we're how we're thinking about it, that makes us constantly do more?
8: Um, that old, old 2,500-year-old philosopher, Heraclitus of Ephesus, 2,500 years ago, said, the truth is simple, difficult. Um, he's one of my favorites.
7: It's
8: mm, a great quote. Uh, it really is. Um, causes are multi-determined. Freud himself said used the phrase "overdetermined in common language, it means multifactorial. It means there are multiple contributions going into the bottom line result. So when you say kind of what might be contributing to all this it's a, it, to simplify it in a way. It's combinations coming from individ- the individual, him-herself, and the work environment. Mm. And <clears throat> there is no one factor. Uh, many people in organizations and in organizational psychology kind of have a bit of a bias and say that most of the problems that occur in the work force in the workplace are due to organizational difficulties, workload, poor resources, and uh, improper work environments, non-facilitating work environments, environments that don't make the workers motivated or make it easy for them to do their jobs. That's what that... um, contingencies say. Mm. The people who are kind of more uh, psychologically uh, predisposed would say it's an individual's capacity to cope, adapt, and deal with stress and uh, problem-solving situations, mm. one's appraisal and construal of what one sees as In the old days, we used to use the word uh, problems. Currently, the word is challenges. How you see and interpret the challenges and then what you have inside of you to understand them and figure out strategies to manage them in the best possible way.
2: Um, we're speaking with Dr. Frank Ninovaji. He's walking us through the burnout problem that we're facing as a country and that you might be facing. He's talking about the many multifactorial you know causes of it. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion and find out what we can do you know psychologically, environmentally in our own workplace just to make it happen get healthier. Stick with us more on burnout when we come back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Are you experiencing burnout and uh, the burnout syndrome, job exhaustion, cynicism, inefficient performance, all uh, functions of burnout? And Dr. Frank Ninavaji joins us. He's an assistant clinical professor of child psychiatry at Yale University School of Medicine Child uh, Study Center in New Haven, Connecticut. He also is um, the medical director and has been for many years of the Devereux Glenholm School in Washington, Connecticut. uh, They have sites all over the country um, for uh, children. um, And we appreciate you, Frank, being with us. This idea of burnout really, like, I mean, if uh, it's not a new idea. I'm I'm assuming people have, you know, been feeling some form of job exhaustion. But do you sense it's changing? Is it changing now for any reason um, in a way that we didn't experience it maybe 100 years ago?
8: I think it is, and my conjecture is that it has to do with the um, introduction of electronics, mm. um, cell phones, uh, smartphones, and uh, the Internet. I firmly believe that, and uh, it may seem obvious, but uh, kind of. I used to relate it years ago to the invention, uh, the discovery of uh, the light bulb and electricity. You know, that was only about 125, 150 years ago Hmm. that the light bulb was invented and used. And that changed the face of humankind. So, too, I really believe that electronics, uh, media, uh, digital media, has... And that might seem kind of archaic or uh, old-fashioned or simplistic, but if you really think and ponder it, how many times do you see individuals in in the street, in their car, in a room, looking down with that box? I call it a machine. (laughs) Others have corrected me and said it's a device. Pumping it, pressing it, tapping it.
2: Yeah. Hugging it, rubbing it on their cheek. <laughs> it's 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 really—and, you know, it's in
8: a form of addiction. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a distraction. And some would say, well, we can't uh, do without it. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you last time around. Remember I mentioned when we were talking about video games— mm-hmm. I don't know when video games were uh, invented. So I think Super Mario was one of the first. Yeah, great one. I don't know when that was introduced, but between then and now, I've never owned one, nor have I ever played one, <laughs> nor Frank, do I ever intend to. Come on, now, man! That's simply me, mm-hmm. and I have gotten along.
2: You—you turned I, out okay.
8: Uh, I'm me. I I do my thing. Now, I'm going to add something which might seem preposterous, but actually, it's really the truth. I've never, and I don't intend to, own a smartphone. Really? Amen. Wow. I have a flip phone, Yeah. and the only reason I got a flip phone is... About five, eight years ago, I was offered a position a half an hour away at a hospital directing adolescent psychiatry, and so I had to travel a lot, and I had to be on call a lot, and I needed something, and I was sort of naive about electronics, went to one of the companies, and uh, I said, just give me something simple, and... They they showed me what was available, and I didn't want to spend two, three, four hundred dollars at that time. Right. So I think I spent twenty five dollars, <laughs> and I still have my flip phone. Wow, Frank! I have. I guess you call it a flip. Yeah, phone. Yeah, it
2: is. Yeah, I
8: when I go into...
2: Uh, they call them a relic. I think it's called a relic
8: now. I, I call it a stupid phone, and they said, no, 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 it's just a simple phone. <laughs> call it a simple phone. That's what they tell me at Verizon. That's good. Not a, it's not a smartphone. It's just a, a, a simple phone. <laughs> I said, that's all I want. That's good. And I've been able to, can you believe it? I have a double appointment at Yale, a professor of medicine and child psychiatry at the university and an attending at Yale New Haven Hospital mm. I have a flip phone Now I'm just saying that for this reason I'm still able to get along and yeah. do my job and do it well Right
2: Well and you also aren't with the flip phone also comes every app and every social media function so you probably don't have the comparative mentality that a lot of Others do who are constantly seeing their best friends going on trips and wondering how can they afford that
8: to Facebook. Yeah, right. And because it's to me, it's not necessary. It's superfluous. If it's superfluous to my health and existence and to my helping other people live a quality life, then it's it's optional. It's something optional. So. I'm saying that because I can't be the only one like this right and and I know I'm trying to stress manage in the best possible way I can and I'm still struggling in my own ways I have to work on it very very hard but I'm aware of it I'm aware of the stress the stressors the liabilities the quote-unquote challenges which are really problems which can develop into high blood pressure Overweight, overeating, heart disease, etc, etc., etc. And part of this burnout is a uh, uh, lack of motivation and enthusiasm. In, you know I, in, years ago, they used to use the expression "Ilan Vital," like a zest for life, an enthusiasm just for existing, for smelling the roses, for looking at the beautiful sun, the beautiful greenery, the beautiful snow. Even the ugly snow, (laughs) the ugly greenery. In Connecticut now, everything is drying up and turning brown and falling. Even where I live, I live in a very rural area outside of New Haven. I see beautiful deer in my backyard running back and forth. I see the little doe, and then I also see coyotes. They're all beautiful. They're right. all part of great nature. The un- the creator of the universe put it all here for us to perceive, appreciate, take in, and a lot of us are not doing that anymore.
2: Is that is that one of the antidotes then to burnout? Burnout is um, is to I guess to start being present, noticing noticing life.
8: I think and believe it is i do i really really do but it's very hard it's easy to say it yeah it is but it's very very hard to actually do it what else very hard to do
2: it what else would help us do it what what are some other keys Uh, we've got about two minutes what are some other keys that we can use well to do this my
8: very very first book was on Ayurveda, Comprehensive right. Guide to Traditional Indian Medicine, the medicine of India, which is the first medicine in the world, 6,000 years. And when I revised it the third time, uh, at the very, very end, <clears throat> uh, I wrote a section in the addendum. It's almost the la- last section. And I thought, let me hit this hard, kind of the meaning of life in a way. You asked me that question yeah. once before. Yeah. And my publisher said, "Oh, this is really corny." <laughs> I said, "You know what? If you don't put this in, I'm going to withdraw the book." They put it in, and the, and the the section started out with Remember the cemetery, but also remember and look at the sun.".
7: Mm.
8: In other words, realize you will die and that right now you are alive. Mm. And then go from there. The truth is simple, difficult.
2: That is such a good line. It is simple, difficult. And it's, the, the funny thing is I think a lot of us know what we need to do. We just, I guess, is it we just get turned into autopilot. Is that what we're doing? We, we just get lived instead of living. That's true. Mm. Well, Dr. Frank Ninovaji, we appreciate you. Keep up the great work there back at uh, Yale New Haven Community Medical Group. And also, go check out his blog. If you want uh, to just kind of take in more of uh, Dr. Ninovaji's work and writings, you can find his blog called Envy This on PsychologyToday.com. And go check out his book, Biomental Child Development Perspectives on Psychology and Parenting and Envy Theory, is a great, great resource. Dr. Frank Ninavaji. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up the second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, we'll be right back.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Everybody needs a little help once in a while. And on the show, we try to hold your hand through life give you some of the latest, greatest research, the information you need to uh, live a healthier, happier life. Top of the morning to you. It's, uh, it's happening, folks. You're making it through another day. And it's, it's good. You'll be fine. We'll be fine. Hey, today, by the way, taco day. Tacos are the Mexican equivalent of a sandwich. Hmm. They were first referenced by that name at the end of the 19th century. But uh, the Conquistador Cortez mentioned a meal prepared with tortillas as far back as 1520.
3: Those are some old tacos. But they've always been good. Taco, I really think it may very well be the perfect meal. I, you know, I would put that up there on one of the meals that I could have pretty much every day. Every day. Every day. And it's, you can make it any way you want to make it. No. Spice it up. You can. Wrong. Put lots of cheese. Wrong. You can, you know. Wrong. Make an incharito. Wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Trump. There's only one way to make it. All right. Well, Listen carefully.
2: It? This is it. Listen up, So everybody.
3: you need to fry some corn tortillas in oil mm. or Crisco. All right. And then you need to sprinkle some salt on the shells so you've got some nice salty corn tortilla hard shells. Yes. Homemade. And that's about it. Other than that, yeah, you can put whatever taco meat in there you want, but that's key. Hmm. I say taco, they say taco.
7: Taco, taco, taco.
3: Um, that
2: sounds really good, actually. I think I know what I'm doing for lunch. Oh, my wife packed a lunch
3: today. Did she pack uh, salted fried corn tortilla tacos?
2: (sighs) No. Pretty sure we didn't get that.
3: Bummer, but happy Taco Day
2: to the rest of you. It's also Cinnamon Bun Day. Uh, I'm just a big toasty cinnamon bun. (laughs) Yeah. That is that would be a great combination, right? Just a great taco meal with the cinnabon or cinnamon bun at the end.
3: mm. you got cinnabon on the mind. I can't get rid of it. Do you say cinnabon or cinnabon? I say cinnabon. I do say cinnabon, but I'm always thinking
2: bon. And again, I don't like the whole cinnamon roll. I only want
3: the innards, the frosting, and the and that gooey center. I mean, uh, whoever wants the rest can have the rest. Do you just want me to bring in about a cup of sugar tomorrow? (laughs) Just give you a spoon. Can you heat it up for me? (laughs) Yeah. I I like my sugar warm. We'll liquefy it, give you a spoon or a straw.
2: Sounds really good. Now, if we've got your taste buds just salivating, guess what? Good. That's what this day's about. Taco Day and Cinnamon Bun Day. And then you can go golfing on National Golf Day. It's a it's – a, it's, oh, playing through. Thank you. Thank you. Very polite audience today. We, um, we've got all of that fun ahead plus uh, some crazy stories. One, again, we're, we are going to be forced to play one of our PSAs that we have to play when people – Take their eyes off the
3: road when people do things that aren't healthy. We do so much good on this show. I know. And people don't even know how much good we do. They don't appreciate us. Mm-hmm. They We're, appreciate viruses like yesterday.
2: Yeah. we but, and, and they wouldn't have appreciated them if we hadn't brought that up. So we, today we'll get to all of that news, plus be visiting with uh, the bomb mom, Julie K. Nelson, uh, from A Spoonful of Parenting. She'll be on the show in just a bit to give us some parenting tips. And, of course, the hero of the day and our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. We'll find out what's coming up on their show. But first, let's go to Sadie Nilsson and the headlines. Sadie, what's going on around the country?
4: A North Carolina prosecutor said Monday that criminal charges will not be filed against a white police officer whose own department said he violated its use-of-force policy when he arrested and punched a black man sitting on the front porch of his mother's home. District, District Attorney Howard Newman said neither Officer Travis Coleman or Charlotte Jackson committed any crimes when they arrested Dijon Yors on June 17th. The officers were dispatched to the home of Yors's mother in Greensboro after new neighbors reported a possible break-in. The case erupted into public view last week after v- the video of the arrest taken from the body cameras worn by Jackson and Cole was shown at a city council meeting. Officer Coleman resigned this past week in light of the protest. Reality TV star Kim Kardashian West has reunited with her husband and children in New York after a how- heroin incident in Paris where she was held at gunpoint and robbed by men dressed as police police officers in a private apartment. A spokeswoman for Kardashian West said the celebrity was badly shaken but physically unharmed following the incident, which took place early Monday morning local time. The prosecutor's office said a ring worth an estimated 4 million euros, that's $4.49 million, and other jewelry worth about 5 million euros, $5.6 million, were among the items stolen. For the first time in eight years, the U.S. has won the Ryder Cup. The last time the historic competition Sweet. took place on the American soil, the U.S. lost to the Europeans by one point. Entering the final round on Sunday, the U.S. took a three-point lead, closing out the final round seventeen to eleven. This is the largest margin of victory in thirty-five years for either country. And finally, yes, a pigeon. Oh carrying a threatening message for India's Prime Minister has been taken into custody after being discovered near the country's border with Pakistan. The gray Pigeon was found with a message referring to the 1970 war between Pakistan and India and was addressed to Prime Minister Modi. The letter, which was written in Urdu, was roughly translated as Modi, we're not the same people from 1971. Now each and every child is ready to fight against India. The bird was found in the northern state of Punjab, where militants based in Pakistan launched a deadly attack on an air force base in January inspector of the Singh police station Ramesh Kumar said the pigeon was carrying the letter when it was found he said adding the bird has been taken into custody we are investigating the matter wow all I have to say about this is don't shoot the messenger
2: (laughs) yeah no instead fry him up in a pan yeah wow that is incredible we have this to make you talk absolutely how do you make a pigeon talk I don't know it sounds like a bad joke it had a threatening
3: note I guess wrapped around its yeah. leg.
4: Do you have the translator for that, Jeff? What he's saying?
3: I think the note said, "Have you seen Alfred Hitchcock's movie, The Birds?" Oh, really? All that, I'm saying.
4: That's pretty threatening.
3: We we really ought to
2: do we ought to do a story on this and go get the translator. I I don't know if we paid for the pigeon translator filter. Oh well, we should. That have. one was like two dollars more per month. Yeah, and there's not a lot of pigeon messages. No. Ugh. But we do have audio from the scene. Yes. Actually, that's audio from an overpass in Brooklyn.
4: Oh, I, I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. Thank you, Sadie. Boy, that's scary. Now they're delivering threatening messages by pigeon. That, I mean, that used, to be the, that used to be the big deal back in the day. Now, I thought we were done with that, with email and stuff.
3: So you know how they have Suicide Squad, where all these supervillains are put in one film? They -hmm. need to do that with animals, since we have so many of these stories with animals gone wild, like the bears and the pigeons. Yeah. That's a great idea. See, Jeff, this is why we need you. Because
2: you've got these, just, I don't know, I mean, just this insight, like,
3: powerful. Thank you.
2: Man, I'm glad we got you. And uh, here's a crazy one: Um, What's the weirdest thing you've ever picked up at a like a gas station market? Uh, A cold? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. A yeah. Um, Well, careful if you're in Norwalk, Ohio. A coroner says he found um, apparently a heart, a human heart. in a plastic bag on the ground next to an Ohio gas station. County coroner Jeff Harwood said pathologists in Toledo are running tests to confirm whether it's human and whether the fluid found in the two-quart zipped bag is some type of preservative. The heart found August 25th in Norwalk by an ambulance crew that had parked at the gas station. Police and Harwood were called to the scene Where Harwood placed it in a cooler for delivery to uh, Toledo. Harwood says it appears to be a preserved specimen with anomalies, like something you'd see
10: at
3: birth. He says the origin of the heart is a mystery. So, I think they got the cooler at the gas station, too. And the only way that they could find space in there for it is if they could put it next to some RC Cola and some Mountain Dew.
2: Hey, Mom, what's the pink? Is that pink meat? I love me some pink meat. Yeah. It's uh People out there, you got to quit playing games with human hearts.
3: That's That's kind of weird. That I mean, would really that would really spice up some of the games that you do play though. Like imagine bowling, yeah, with a human heart. So do you want to go bowling or do you want
2: to like go, you know, go f- find human hearts? I la- I let's go bowling.
3: Jacks with a human heart. <laughs> at least it. At least they didn't find the heart in the market. You know, rolling on one of those hot dog <laughs> warmers. Those things never taste good. You should never buy those. I know. I think now that I've seen this story, I don't think I'll talk about a heart attack on a
2: stick. <laughs> <laughs> That's at the fair. That's at the Ohio State Fair. Wow, crazy. So fried they look heart. At, yeah. Try heart. Is that what you said? Try heart. Hey, um, wow. What? I don't know. Whatever it is, folks, quit playing games with it. That's all we can say. Um, <laughs> it is such a, it's just such a weird thing. I mean, you don't expect that. Well, how about this? Uh, a man uses a Trump head cutout to allow him into the HOV lane. Says who? Well, apparently the news. A man in Washington is facing a $136 fine after using a Donald Trump head cutout to allow him to sneak into the HOV lane. The cutout was larger than life and immediately drew um, an officer's suspicion. This isn't the first time someone has used creative means uh, to occupy the HOV lane. One person uh, one time used a zombie baby. The zombie baby, that's a hard one to pull off, you know. But in the end, um, the Donald Trump was a dead giveaway, right?
1: We got a bunch of real dummies, I tell you.
2: You said it, Donald. I mean, nobody believes that a guy is that orange.
3: That's why they pulled him over, huh? Yeah. Violating the the uh, the orange law.
2: It's a a very technical law. You're not allowed to use orange color 386J. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Very stupid. Totally. As we uh, wrap up, um, before we go to talk to our good friend Julie Nelson, a Louisiana man has been charged after he claims God told him to drive fast. The Louisiana man told sheriff's deputies on Friday that he had divine approval for the 10-mile chase he led them on that reached speeds of around 100 miles an hour. Dylan Christopher Thompson, 20, told deputies after he was captured that God had been telling him to drive fast that day and that other motorists were leading him to drive uh, the other motorists were leading him to drive fast, according to the sheriff's office release. He didn't want to do it, others were kind of forcing his hand. Deputies had been patrolling when they saw a 1999 Ford pickup truck being driven at a high rate of speed. You know, those they always have the bumper stickers like, God's on board. <laughs> Apparently he was, and he was telling this guy to speed and
3: outrun the cops. I would imagine that would be hard to dispute. Yeah. Like, could you imagine taking that case to court? Well, I mean, how do you... Where's your witness? He's up there.
2: Like, I mean, I did swear an oath to tell the truth, so help me. Yeah.
3: And he did help me. That's why I outrun... The police officers. Who's to say that he didn't tell them? I know. Didn't tell them to do it. But anything. the problem is this world is so anti-religious that no one believes the guy. But we do.
2: We do. And so, and we've believed a lot of people that think God is telling them to do things that he may not be telling them to do. Um, so we, we have a PSA we run on the show. And as we go to break, we want to just run the PSA. It's a public service announcement. It's It's important. Um, God loves you. He cares about you. He cares about your health, but he also cares about how you drive.
9: Folks, distracted driving is not new. It is the cause of millions of automobile accidents each year. But eating, texting, and playing Pokemon Go while driving now seem like a good idea when compared to this latest craze that's sweeping the nation known as prayer driving. Well, we here at the Matt Townsend Show feel it is time to bring you this important message. A recent survey shows that seven out of ten pastors and theologians agree it's best to keep your eyes open while driving. So no matter how strongly you're tempted to shut your eyes, remove your hands from the wheel, fold your arms, and offer up supplication to a higher power, remember... That higher power is the one who gave you that wheel, and he wants you to use it properly. This advice goes double if you're driving with others in the car. And if you find yourself in the passenger seat of a prayer driver's car, remember, friends don't let friends pray while driving. A message from believers across America. Until next time, I'm one... Why don't you pray at home like the rest of us? Unbox. Believable. Reporting live from behind the wheel, I'm Ron Brokaw.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. If you ever um, noticed... Your daughter, your sister, any of the women in your life, just feeling less than happy about their body, uh, wondering why you know so and so looks so much better in in their clothes. Why does why 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 mom? Well, our next guest, Julie K. Nelson, joins us. She's called the Bomb Mom. She's the Child Whisperer. She's a parenting expert and uh, author of a couple books. She teaches classes in as applied parenting and marriage and relationship skills at Utah Valley University. She's on faculty there and has been featured or written in many academic journals and um, is on the show as a regular every uh, every other week or so. Today, Julie's going to be talking to us about female body image and magazines. She's on the phone with us today. Julie, hello.
10: Hello, Matt. Good morning. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too.
2: This uh, has—I was raised in a home with three sisters and my mother, and holy cow, body image and females go hand in hand.
10: It does, and I grew up with that as well. I read Seventeen magazine religiously, and— mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I have always been cap- captivated by magazines as well. But as I've grown up and I've raised three daughters to adulthood now myself, I'm very very aware as I raise them how um, those messages are sent to our daughters subliminally, and just some- sometimes they're just incredibly uh, um, harmful for their image. Um, I I'm, I was just watching just recently someone who did an um, kind of a comparison of magazines, uh, you know, fashion magazines for how much of the magazine content is actually just advertisements that uses models, um, you know, women who are unnatural looking (laughs) to sell their product. And they took apart two magazines. One was Elle magazine and Cosmopolitan, which are two very big magazines, um, very uh, high readership. And, And Elle had... 426 total pages after they removed all the ads with these, you know, really uh, airbrushed, computer-generated bodies looking, you know, not even normal-looking people with not a lot of clothes on um, themselves, and they're selling products. They took out 364 pages that weren't even content from the magazine. That is 85% of L magazine is just product placement. Really? That's products. With these models that aren't normal, and Cosmo, Cosmo had um, 244 magazines or 244 pages in their magazine, and 158 of those were were just ads. So you have 85% and 65% of the magazine. The majority of it are, isn't even magazine related. It's it's just product placement. So let's call it what it is. These are product catalogs. Oh yeah, selling things about beauty and telling you you're not good enough. And you need to look like this model to look, if you buy this, you'll look like her. And you won't. Um, they're not magazines at all. They send the message of you're not good enough, um, you're not pretty enough, you're not thin enough. And um, the, the 70, 70% of women that read these magazines report feeling depressed, ashamed, um, not looking after themselves um, in a healthy way after just three, min- three minutes of reading these magazines because, you know, it takes three minutes that you're looking at this magazine that you're just looking at ads. If you look at those magazines, the the first half of those magazines are just ads. No right. wonder after three minutes you're not looking for and go back yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of it's like it's like going and getting a chicken, you know, leg and there's no meat on it. It's just <laughs> It's just and those all women skin. Look
10: like chicken legs. I mean, they don't have <laughs> any meat on them, and so they just have no real content um, stories in there that really are about how to be real women who appreciate the body that they have, flaws and everything. It's all those airbrushed, computer-enhanced ads. And so story bodies that don't even exist.
2: Well, and it's you know, so I think women face it that way, and then men face it the other way. Where it's that's what to me what the NBA and the NFL are all about are these unprecedented. I mean, these images of what a man is supposed to be like, look like, act like, and you know, how many of us are born blessed with the you know being six five and the ability to dunk a ball, <laughs> except it becomes our dream. Yeah, and it's but it, I guess what this, these are all just distortions, right, of reality.
10: You're, you you said it beautifully, distortions of reality. And if you put women and men side by side in many ads, you're going to find that the men are clothed and the women are not, which shows that they're the sex object. They are the victims, and the men are the predators or the ones that have all the power because clothing is power, and it shows that women are just an object. And it's it's unfortunate that we have this. Um, Continue as, we continue this, this um, kind of this marketing of towards what we are. Men are power. Women are objects. Mm. Um, and the messages on the front, look at what the ads or what the front cover says on the magazine. The messages on women's magazine as sex. It's, Looks, it's, it's, um, you know, things about, uh, you're going to be prettier if you do this, you're going to be a better sex partner, you're going to make your man turned on, you're going, it's all about kissing and love and, yeah. and, and clothing and hair and products. And that's exactly. just the
2: teenage you, magazines.
10: Exactly. did you see that? It was brilliant what happened. Um, someone just totally exploited the girls' life and boys' life magazines yeah. this fall. Did you see that? I did. Where they yeah. Side by side, and the the girls' life had a, a girl on the front cover. Boy life didn't even have a boy because uh-huh. we don't use we don't use you know these unrealistic ideals of a person we use concepts and ideas of explore your future and be a scientist it's all about what you can be this upcoming year for boy's life for girl's life has this beautiful blonde you know model who you know it's all about fashion your dream hair and Best year ever, my first kiss, wake up pretty. And so somebody somebody was so upset by that. Well, there's a lot of upset people, but someone brilliantly crafted a new um, Girl's Life front cover. I mean, it was just for, you know, just for fun. Right. But they made up one of what it should have been, and they put the an actual girl on the front who'd won, like, the national... I don't know. Was it like the geography B or something? Anyway, she she really won some contests for being smart, and then put real captions on the front like, "Do you know girls doing good? Your dream career, and you know everything that girls should be doing in their life that are constructive that help them to be a better person, not how's what they look like." Mm. So it was really a great contra- uh, contrast between the what we should be having for girls' life. And what really is. And boys life had all these great things about, you know, your careers.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's and and, and like, yeah, activities. And I guess I look at it and I think because you I I always feel as a white male that um, we must be holding back women. Right. Because that's what I keep hearing, except I'm not I'm not betting if I go to Elle magazine that the editorial staff and board are full of men. I'm yeah. betting that it's it's all females and women. So why why it's one thing for men doing this? Why are women doing this to
10: women? You know, it's been a men-driven, white male-driven um, in history. You know, right? The, you know, marketing and magazines and all advertisements. But yeah, women are taking over, and we continue this this um, terrible idea that we are. Only as good as our looks, and that what's going to sell are looks, and that's what girls are wanting, and so they buy into this misperception that that's what um, the front covers are going to sell us more if we have these beautiful images um, that attract us, because women are all about beauty and about um, we're not going to we're not going to buy a magazine if it's all about your career, hmm, you know. Right. But I think that's wrong. I think that what more women are standing up to that. Um there was another um YouTube video that's going around that I loved. It was I think it was in England because she has the cute little British accent and they're in a Tesco um supermarket, but this mom is video video her her 8-year-old daughter and the daughter's standing in front of these t-shirts she wants to buy you know, school T-shirts to start school. And she's asking her daughter, what do you think about these T-shirts? And then they have, of course, the girls' shirts on the left-hand side and the boys next to them. And the little eight-year-old girl saying, Mommy, I don't like these T-shirts because the girls' shirts say, and she points out, this one says, Hey. This one says, Beautiful. This one says, I feel fabulous. And now look at the boys' T-shirts, Mom. They say, Desert Adventure (laughs) Awake. And Think Outside the Box. And Hero. And the mom says, What do you think about this? And she says, this, these are telling me that girls should just be pretty and boys should be adventurous. Mm. I don't like that, Mom. That's not fair. And I just love the spunk and women who are standing up saying enough enough. We're yeah. not going to do this anymore. We're not going to buy into this anymore.
2: Love it. I love it. And um, let's take a break, Julie. We'll come back. I want you to tell us what we can do to push back. On the magazines, I guess not buying them is one thing, but, and what messages should we be telling our children? What t shirts should we be buying them? More with Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom. You can go find out uh, more on her website, a spoonfulofparenting.com, where you can get more about her books there and her wonderful insights. We'll take a break. Stick with us, helping you grow the self esteem of your children. We'll be right back. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us, Julie K. Nelson from the website A Spoonful of com, walking us through uh, body image issues and our, our children and really the connection to marketing and the media. Julie, welcome back to the show.
10: Thank you, Matt.
2: Thanks for being with us. And what do we do? You know, we, I mean, I guess don't buy the magazines that have 85% of the ads you know, trying to fix your daughter and teaching her how to kiss guys. Um, (laughs) It's the last thing we need is. But what what are some other things we should pay attention to as parents?
10: Yeah, that would be the first thing. I mean, teenagers just buy into this. I have to have these magazines. And um, I, I know that when I was growing up and I was reading Seventeen magazine, I had a friend whose parents wouldn't allow her to subscribe to Seventeen. I thought her parents were just so archaic. I thought they were so <laughs> punitive. And I, I look back and think, you know what, I'm, I'm glad they took a stand. And I don't think that that was really all that helpful for us at that time of our lives. And not, not subscribing and not um, allowing your child to have those. May seem really harsh, but I don't see anything wrong with standing up and saying, well, let's look at some magazines that, let's choose between what we can, what is out there that could be better for you, um, that send the right message. I think sitting down with your daughters and your sons and talking about what, do these, what messages do they send to you? Hmm. What are they saying to you? What, and, and I love the fact that this one um, person took apart Ellen and Cosmo and took apart the magazines and said, let's just take apart mag- um, this magazine and, sh- and rip out all the pages that are ads and count how many are ads and what are these ads telling you. And what, is, what are you really buying? You're buying a product catalog. You're paying to buy something that's wanting you to buy more stuff. Is that really what you want to do? And just educate. What is this all about? I think we sit down. Same thing with the TV and talk about commercials. What is this tr- really? What's the message of this mag- of this advertisement um, for this commercial? And and talking to our sons and daughters about what does this really mean? What are they really saying? And why is there a woman standing there? Selling that razor for that man. Does that Mm. mean that that woman represents? um, You know, when he shaves his face, that he's going to get someone sexy like that. Is that really you know is going to happen when you shave your face? A a woman's going to appear in your bathroom and stroke your face. And (laughs) the reality
2: is, we need. Don't you think we just need more truth in advertising? The picture should be, you know, a wife angry (laughs) that he's taking so much time, and the kids that keep wanting to come in while he's shaving.
10: In the sink, and she's right. probably pretty upset about that. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I just been talking to our kids: is this real? Talking: is this a real picture? And showing some of those. There's some great stuff on on, on the internet about showing airbrushed, um, you know, the, from beginning to end when they do a, a magazine cover,
7: mm-hmm. and how it's
10: not even the real model anymore. And even the models are saying that's not me. Right. Um, I think we should stop buying products. Um, I I've I've I have a picture in front of me of three t-shirts for girls. And one t-shirt says um, allergic to algebra. Second one says I'm too pretty to do math. Uh. The third one says I'm too pretty to do homework. So my brother has to do it for me. Now I'm saying to myself, who's buying these shirts? Yeah, I don't think it's a 12 year old girl that has this kind of money. I think it's the parents. And the parents are buying a billboard to put on their daughter to say, "You're not good enough, and your brother has to be smarter than you. is is smarter than you, so he's going to do everything for you." And I think parents should stop buying this stuff for their kids because it's them that's getting it for them.
2: Yeah, and and um, boy, I, like you said, have the conversations. I mean, just telling your daughter if she believes she can't do math, and then you you buy her the T-shirt. <laughs> I mean, my, my family, we all we believed that no Townsends could do math. We weren't math people, right? We were, we were just born to be nice. <laughs> and but I actually bought into that. Luckily, my mom never had T-shirts made. Um, but I guess in the end, it's this is parenting 101, right? I mean, be, be, uh, be a smart shopper, be an involved parent.
10: And not even do, not just buy it, but do, do what the other one, mom said when she stood her daughter in front of the two t- T-shirts, the boys and girls, and says, what are these messages, and how does that make you feel? And that little 8-year-old was saying, I don't like this, Mom. This is this is not fair. Um, I shouldn't just be someone who's just for my looks. I should want to have adventure and be a hero. And that little girl was standing up, and the mom was empowering her daughter. Mm. Um, and so not just don't buy the T-shirts, but stand in front of the, of the that in the – in supermarket or wherever you're going to, the Target or the Walmart, and say to your daughter or son, what are these messages that these T-shirts are telling you? And and, and enlighten them, and, and get them intel, get them to be intelligent people, shop- consumers of of merchandise, and help them to make smart decisions in their lives. And I think Facebook is another pitfall. Um, Pinterest, we can talk a lot about our sons to our sons and daughters about what is is this reality? Do people really look like this and talk and Facebook is all about our best selves. And when someone posts, I, I really have a hard time with um, – because, I, again, I, I have three daughters. And when women post, they tend to post about their looks and girls comment about their looks.
5: Mm-hmm. And when
10: they're doing something that is noteworthy or uh, worthwhile, um, say, for example, they ran a race, um, rather than commenting about the race and how great they are, the posts or the comments to that post are all about how great they look in their shorts – Or how cute they look, or my gosh, how you're pregnant? How come you're so small? I can't believe it. You miss make me sick rather than celebrate the Mm. fact that they're pregnant. It's all about looks. We've got to stop making comments to each other on Facebook and Instagram about our looks and more about our accomplishments and how successful and how what good activities we're doing, the service that we're rendering to one another, um, the good that we're doing in the world rather than our looks. And I'd like our, our listeners to consider when we comment on Facebook and other social media, are we commenting on superficial things?
2: What a great challenge for all of us to to go change the stream of social media by right. just only commenting, and in fact, intentionally commenting on a woman's character and their integrity and their principles, not yeah. just their waistline.
10: And it's not just teenagers and young adults. I have um, adults in my er- er- age range, which is older. Yeah. And I just recently saw a post of a, a husband and wife who I admire a lot. That they were at a fundraiser, uh, in their fine, you know, f- clothes. You know, long- she had a long dress on, and he was in a tuxedo. And um, for the man, um, the comments were, "Wow, what a great thing that you were doing." To raise money for this organization, and great job being the MC to the woman. It was wow, love your dress. Where'd you get it?
2: Uh, so true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We, I think, I think we've all experienced that. Well, Julie, we appreciate you. This is great insight to keep us on our toes and uh, keep up the great work at uh, a spoonfulofparenting.com.
10: And you keep up the great work at BYU Radio on the Matt Townsend Show.
2: We will, Julie. Thanks. Keep it up. She's the best. She, Julie always brings us food. We always, uh, so we were a little frustrated that she wasn't coming in today. By the way, you want good Cinnabon rolls on Cinnabon Day? Right there. Mm. Julie K. Nelson. So good. The queen. Ugh. And she's not just known for her food, she's smart, she's intelligent, she's hardworking, she's fun, she keeps us in line. She she's cordial, and she
3: puts in a tag for the show as she
2: just did. Yeah, Julie K Nelson, a spoonful of parenting We'll take a break. Come back. Visit the Good Brother and at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. We're wrapping up hour number three. We'll be back. Welcome back everybody. An older version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game from nineteen oh eight.
3: Why? Because we're celebrating playoffs. Wild card playoffs start tonight. <laughs> Orioles and Toronto Blue Jays. But who's who's counting? Good stuff. Let's throw it down
2: to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, see what they are paying attention to. Today, Jerem Jordan is joined by Jason Shepard, the JJ Combo. Hello, gentlemen. It's, it's funny Hello. that you bring
11: up baseball and everything uh, yeah. today, you know, with the wild
2: card and whatnot,
11: because you one of the biggest baseball fans I know is in studio with us, <sighs> Jason Shepard. Is he? He loves I love the Cardinals.
12: Baseball. Yeah, and my Cardinals came up one game short, but that does not – I mean, certainly I would love for them to be in, but right. I still love – Major League Baseball, and and I'm thrilled for the postseason. This is going to be a lot of fun. And is there – honestly, there is no better sport that goes with old-timey music than baseball. No.
11: It's true because true. it's kind of an old – timey traditional yeah. historic sport Absolutely. piece of Americana sport That's right?
3: Right. Jason I, this is Jeff uh, I wanted to apologize on behalf of the Los Angeles Dodgers who could not seem to win a single game against the Giants which
12: yeah all we needed was one win and then we would be playing uh, we would have been playing yesterday for a, a one game
11: play into the one game wild card
3: sorry about that <laughs>
11: Yeah, that's a bummer. Is you that, could be a Mariner fan like me and just be like, We got close again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is that why you were wearing that baseball uniform today, Jason?
11: Well that's
12: that's part partly. Is that uh, your high I school? I just like uniform? to dress up like uh, like baseball players. Yeah. Like a ball player. I just walk around with a bat, which sometimes scares people. But <laughs> yeah. it's illegal in nine yeah. countries.
2: You were coming out of the restroom with that bat and I'm like, What the And then I realized it was you, but I I also didn't know you'd wear your spikes. That's cool. Hey, hashtag (laughs) spikes up. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. You can always tell where Jason is in the building. Hey, um, so (laughs) that is crazy. Okay, can somebody explain to me what's going on with the Panthers? Why? Like the animal
11: in Africa? Or the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers. Panthers. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: Why? I I thought that they were going to become like this big kind of dynasty moment. Cam Newton, locked and loaded, but he's falling apart. He's even got listen when when Matt Ryan and Julio
11: Jones uh, playing playing the dome there. They're trouble, man.
12: That's why you can never assume that you're going to get back to what you did the year before. Yes, Mm. you can. That's in your life. In your emotionally, <laughs> so true, physically, everything. mentally,
11: so spiritually, true. you think because
12: yeah. you made it once, well, it's just going to continue that way, and not only continue, but it'll get better. You'll take the next step, and that doesn't always happen. And, and yeah. Carolina Panthers are a, an example of that
1: so like, far.
11: Like we use the word dynasty, mm-hmm. that was thousands of years, right? Right, or hundreds, right, exactly. Um, historically. Now, if you can maintain something for like three years in the NFL, yeah, you're it's consi- like, hey, that was pretty good. That's why what the Patriots have done is unbelievable. Right.
12: Unbelievable. Patriots and Spurs and yes. teams like that that just win regardless of the situation, mm-hmm. regardless of the personnel. With everything changing around them, they remain consistent. That is that is impressive in today's Day and age in sports. BYU
11: Sports Nation is in that
2: category. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely.
11: Among all the daily sports TV shows on BYU TV, Dynasty. Yes. That focus on BYU. Here's
2: a question. It might seem a little out there, um, but you guys are sports experts. I I was noticing that Tom Brady was in France sunbathing. And um, apparently he wasn't wearing clothes. Yeah, the
12: uh, the paparazzi got a little overzealous uh, it, it, with with some of the the photos.
2: If you're if you're a world class quarterback, it seems like you'd ha- you, you got to be careful of getting sunburned.
11: Or was he mm-hmm. negligent? Question mark.
2: Question mark. Question mark. Question mark.
11: When
12: when you're married to a supermodel, <laughs> the
2: you don't the, think straight.
12: Y- well, what I'm just you know you. That's what you're competing against. Right. You know what I mean? True.
2: Totally. Totally. I mean, can you imagine? Do you ever ever think like Tom Brady sits there and feels like the fat one in the family? (laughs) Have
12: you you seen his picture on uh, the NFL Combine when he came out of college? Yeah. The the picture they always show that just looks so frumpy and and that boy, just a little boy. There's like no muscle tone at all. (laughs) It's great. He's all jiggly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Those are the days. Now look at him. Now he's now he's sunbathing. Uh
12: sunbathing he's married to a supermodel. But he was loving it. stinks.
2: He was saying, Hey, I'm not you can kick me out for four games or whatever, but I'm just gonna go to France and party. Yeah, he's
12: like he can't be around the team. He can't be on the premises. So instead of just hanging out at home, he's like, you know what? France.
2: Mm-hmm. You're
12: gonna but, France it.
2: <laughs> but you know you know his skin is just peeling now.
12: Oh no no he's he's putting on he's definitely putting on something to take care of that burn.
2: <laughs> okay. Hey, um what's on your show? You guys are doing a show, right? I mean I know oh, yeah. usually when Jason comes it's just kind of playtime.
11: We'll just we'll just do whatever. Okay. Yeah. What's uh, what's on the show? Today we're going to discuss this. Kalani Satake at his weekly press conference yesterday said uh we need to play a complete game. Uh where, you know, offense, defense, special teams, they all put it together in the same game. Uh, what would that look like for BYU? We'll have that discussion because they do play a tough Michigan State team that has some injuries, um, but it's on the road this week, and BYU's been battle-tested, so uh, two-game losing streak for Michigan State. What would that look like? Hmm. That's cool. We've also got Blaine Fowler. We've got Brian
12: Logan. Both now, not at the same time, not the same segment. Really? But both will be in studio. We'll get their thoughts on the Twitter question, uh, and also then obviously look ahead to Michigan State. This is this is one of those interesting games because we all look before the season like Michigan State's going to be the toughest opponent, and now, you know, not so much as you go into week six here. So it, I'm kind of curious to get their take on on how they think BYU stacks up against the Spartans. Plus, we
11: have an Olympian on the show. Who? Again. Who? Someone who has uh, spoken with both Beyonce and Barack Obama. Wow. Her name is Kate Hansen.
2: That's huge. She's
11: actually a student at Brigham, and she yeah. actually works here. So she does a segment each week. this is the second week of it called "Between the Lines." Mm-hmm. So she went uh, to the rock, the Roy the Student, uh, Roy the Cougar student section, and got some uh, got some insight, <laughs> to say the least really? in that section, so yeah, thats that's coming up. Oh I bet it's they got, great. I bet it's she got segment. more
2: than insight: Yes, that, that place is crazy.
11: yeah that, it can be crazy. Yeah, you gotta in watch your back. There.
2: Watch your back in the rock. <laughs> well, that's a good show, guys. And uh, you know, by the way, it is um, Cinnamon Bun Day. Ooh! And do
12: you have some up in the studio?
2: No, they're gone. That would,
12: have been, uh, would have been. We
2: we rifled through those in a second. <laughs> we also, it's also Taco Day. Just if you guys needed some idea yep. for lunch. Yep. Okay, I learned that from the Lego movie. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday.
11: Cinnamon Taco Day.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh you had a cinnamon taco?
11: C- well, cinnamon twists.
12: Mm-hmm. At Taco Bell, you know what I'm saying?
2: I totally do. After
12: football practice, that's where we need to go Jeremy. Do
2: you guys play football?
12: Well, we're going to football. You just sound like, like two high school kids.
2: Hey, after practice, do you want to go? After practice, let's some get some twists? cinnamon twists from Taco Bell. That's okay, but can you drive? Because I can't drive today. My, mom My mom's picking us up. I want to go to the mall later. Have fun at school, guys. Guys, that's going to be great. Uh, I know you're going to have a great show. I can already tell. Thanks. Peace out. Kia. Love you. That's good stuff. Yeah, they just it, all of a sudden it just sounded like, oh, Jimmy and Jimmy and Johnny are going, to, <laughs> they're going to Taco Bell after practice. That's crazy. Okay, Jeffrey, you have had a story that you've been dying to talk about. Well, I mean, not, not
3: dying, dying yet. but it just sounded interesting, and I love cake. So, explain it. This is a deputy.
2: A woman is charging that she she was tased by a cop. That actually happened that happened, yeah, she was tased, and then she claimed that the cop sent her a uh, a cake,
3: so she apparently was got a text message from the officer saying that she was going to uh, get an apology from him in the form of a cake, and then she gets a picture of a cake that says, "Sorry, I tased you with a man tasing a woman, yes. So she wanted to use this piece of evidence in the case against this officer. Like that he's belligerent. However. He's a tasing tease. Tase it. (laughs) However. Yeah. It turns out that after a little uh, rifling through the Internet, Mm -hmm. it was discovered that the picture was taken about a year before this incident had even taken place. Uh, 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 so she uh, there's no proof that this police it, officer and yes the, through her attorney she later admits that she never actually received a physical cake or even saw the cake in person. Yeah. So did, yeah. she, did she have the text that he actually sent? Well, I don't think so, but I'm pretty sure that it would be disproved that that was not coming from him.
2: I think you might start seeing why she was tased. You can't lie. Because if you lie, you got to pay. Liar! 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 (laughs) Uh, Just a little quote from Hillary Clinton at the debates there. That was really good. Um, We've... You know, as we wrap up the show, you know, I know, we always like to end with a good story, right? The hero story. And today, uh, today's hero is a dog. The dog saves its own owner. Listen to this. Police in New Jersey are crediting a dog with helping to save the life of its owner. A woman who suffered a medical emergency and lay unconscious inside the home for several days. Two women were walking near the home when they heard glass break and a dog barking loudly. The woman then called police and uh, the police officers entered the home where they were able to get medical care for the unconscious woman. We believe that the dog inside the home heard the two women, talk, women talking and they as they walked past the home and the dog broke the glass with its paws in an attempt to get their attention, which led to their owner being rescued. According to the North vale Police Chief William Esman, the dog suffered minor injuries to a front paw from breaking the window, and he and the woman, it looks like, should be okay. See, so this is why you need man's best friend to, to look after you. How great is that story? Saved by a dog. See, folks, this is why we do the show. Give you this information. You need a dog. I don't know if a cat would do that. Don't want to say they would. Don't want to say they wouldn't. In the end, we're here every Monday through Friday, 9 to noon, to give you the ideas, the information you need to live healthier, happier lives. You can also find us on iTunes, on TuneIn, look us up on byuradio.org or on Stitcher. Go find the Matt Townsend Show. We're everywhere. Until tomorrow, make it a great one. Let's look after each other, and we'll, uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, take care.